Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewigs. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did, and sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, we got a really cool show today. I'm super excited to talk to our guest, Caesar Kalinowski. Uh, and as you guys know, we always do a little review of the week or that kind of thing. This time, I'm going to, instead of talk about a review of the week, I'm going to say, hey, we're finally getting our act together with a YouTube channel. We're finally getting our act together on Instagram. So there's different uh, posts that are out there and reels and shorts and all kinds of stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about, but if you do, good for you. You can check it out on uh, the journey of a Christian dad on all those different places where you play on the internet at. Uh, but anyway, write us a review on uh, on Apple Podcast, I'd love to read your review next week when I read reviews. So with that said, let's dive in. I have got really a cool guest. Seems like our guests are always cool, but he's got one of the demo, one of the most diverse backgrounds of any, anybody I've ever interviewed. So super excited to have Caesar Kalinowski on the podcast. Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast, Caesar. Hey, thanks, Dan. I'm, I'm glad to be on. We just had a little talk before we got started here today and it's already a blast and you sound like the people I grew up with in the Midwest because <laughs> I'm from Chicago and you sound like a cousin or you know, yeah something. absolutely absolutely we could argue about Cubs Cardinals or you know back in oh, the day Cubbies all the White way. Sox fans over is the podcast over the World Series and all of a sudden everybody's Cubs fans up there oh not us man G- multi multi-generational Cubs fans here <laughs> there you go no bandwagon folks all right good so you have got a crazy background. You've uh, been a church pastor, church planner, uh, traveled the world with your family. Uh, I guess before we get into that, what what was your upbringing? Grew up in Chicago. Yeah, we're so Kalinowski. You might guess it's Polish, right? Polish, yeah. And yeah. so uh, we're kind of a very Polish family growing up. That's you know, when you bear the name. And my kids are the same. Uh, Caesar Kalinowski is a family name. I was the third. My son is the fourth, and now my grandson sees her five. That's right. That's who we are, even though, you know, it's less and less Polish. But when you bear the name, man, heir to the throne, we're Polish, and that's how we eat, and that's how we live. And so everybody in our family was Catholic, except our nuclear family. My mom was from the South and was Protestant, and my dad didn't really know or care. He was what we call a priester. He would only go to church on Christmas or Easter. Why, but not usually both. Why would you do that? You know, <laughs> right, so right. <laughs> we were raised from the time I was in the womb, you know, till I moved out of the home, going to church every Sunday with my mom, Protestant church. And, uh, but I went to Catholic school, believe it or not, because that was the school in the neighborhood that was the best school in growing up. Okay. And so faith was really kind of this part of everything, but not really part of everyday life. It was religion, totally. Because the yeah. church we grew up in, it was like Sunday, boop, done. And then it wasn't a part of our household so much, you know? And, and then going to Catholic school, it was a whole different thing. And we had mass every morning, (laughs) you know, and it was years and years of that. And so it was very religious and it was fairly devoid of relationship with God. But I'll tell you the one thing that I didn't know at the time until I experienced it, it was completely missing was discipleship. There was really no discipleship in how the good news of the gospel speaks into 
everyday life, like all of life. It was Christianity was primarily, and maybe you know, a lot of people still feel this way. Christianity was primarily a message about your afterlife, how to get that afterlife upgrade and get heaven and not hell. And so you got to believe this man. And so say this magic, Jesus in your heart prayer, you know, the one you'll never find in scripture. Never going to find that, not once. And then, uh, yeah, and you got to really mean it. You really mean it. God will know. And then what Christianity is then between now and when Jesus gets back or we die is behavioral modification. Try to sin less, man, and try to get to church, you know? And it's like, really? And I couldn't find, you know, as an adult then, I couldn't find any of that in scriptural, you know? <laughs> and it was like, what? And, um, and then, but we, when, after sort of growing up as a Christian kid, but not really been discipled at 18, I, you know, I, I'm playing in rock bands and that's how I ended up making my living and became a record producer eventually and all this stuff. Um, I had faith, but I had no discipleship. So literally as a young man, I could sell you a bag of weed and, and be telling you about Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know, man. He came, died on a cross. You got to believe that beep stuff, you know, otherwise you're going to burn in hell, bro. Like, and you still owe me 35 bucks for that bag. So, you know, I was like, it was this weird thing, but how it applied to my life. No, no way. I had no idea. And so I was just kind of living the, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll lifestyle, but I believed, but I had no grounding because I had never been discipled. And I certainly wasn't raised that way. My dad, nothing. He, I read the Bible once and that's it. It's all I need. You know, I was like, okay, uh huh. And he was an alcoholic and super mean, and we just hid wow. from him. And so I was just like, uh, I don't know. So when I got to 18 and could move out, it was like I was out. Yeah, yeah. From there, you know. So how uh, how did you bridge that gap? So people that have a father like yours, it sounds like, oftentimes are resentful with God or have a challenge with God or can't see God as a loving father. And when I look at you, uh, guys that are listening instead of watching, not on YouTube, um, dude, Caesar's got just this radiant joy about him. Like if you can't hear it in his voice, <laughs> I, I imagine you can, but his face and mannerisms and everything are just like happy, peaceful, um, joy, like pure joy. And I'm like, man, this is a guy, if he was in St. Louis, I'd love to just hang around because he's may, helps you be happy. Like <laughs> I'll so, come visit brother. I go wherever I'm invited. <laughs> yeah. I'm like picturing you as, is my dad. I'm like, man, of course I would, you know, see God as a loving father and all that type of thing. But in, in your case, you may have had a challenge with that or, or maybe somehow you sidestepped it. Well, I, I probably didn't see God as a loving father growing up. Certainly I didn't see it that way. I, th I think it's just part of how we're wired. We can't, but help sort of paint God. Like we experience family and dad. Yeah, yeah. I've come to understand that that's why the marriage and the household, you know, family life is so under the attack, both by culture, but by the enemy and by lies and all that, because the family and parenting is the strongest picture of the gospel and the Trinity and who God is and what he's really, really like. So I did not have that. However, I did not grow up though with an antagonistic view of God per se. And then at 25, after I married my high school sweetheart, and we both had like a very strong sort of experience of like the difference in religion and Jesus is going to be Lord now of our life. We want that. It happened the same night separate wow. from each other. You know, I came back to, we were at a, I don't know, somehow I agreed. I was totally just living a rock and roll lifestyle. My wife had met a friend and they invited us to a church retreat. And I don't even know why I agreed to go. 
I, I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like bewitched. You know, you remember like when Darren would have he would do all these things he didn't want to do because she'd go with her nose and he'd just like be doing it. That's kind. I'm like I'm finding myself at this retreat, long haired, rock and roll for a living. You know, and I'm like, why am I here? But but heard a message on lordship and never heard one before. It was always afterlife upgrade. You know, and and don't sin. You know, and it was like no 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 life. You know, lifestyle. And so I got back to the hotel room and I tell my wife, Hey, I got to tell you something. She's like, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, man. me first. <laughs> and so we both had a similar experience. And so, but then here's, here was the difference. It was a community that church actually lived like a family. And, and then, and, you know, I'm giving you a really short version here, but then uh, a, a, a pastor and his wife who discipled us, treated us like family. And we, my wife often will say, the only thing we knew about parenting when we got married is we knew nothing about parenting. Like we knew that, like we knew like, well, we don't want to repeat anything in our rear view mirror, <laughs> you know? like none of that. And this couple, though, they didn't have a perfect family. Their kids weren't like straight up and to the right, you know, all pastor in the world and all that. You know, they had problems and all that. They were really loving and they treated us like family and they helped us with our kids and they spoke truth and grace to us. And here's, we have very strong-willed firstborn Caesar, you know, and mm-hmm. here's, here's how you, here's how you parent to the thing behind the thing, not actions, but heart. And all that was mind blowing. Cause I just wanted to spank them and you know, all that. And there was plenty of spankings, but I'm just saying like, once we started realizing, oh my goodness, this is what the gospel is all about. And so that changed us. And started giving us a desire to both parent differently, be different as people, but also we started to see the church a little bit differently. It wasn't just this hour, hour and a half program once a week, but like, what if it actually started to speak into all of life? (laughs) And it really, we get to, it turns out. Yeah. So the Lordship thing, I I kept listening. So (laughs) what, what was that one like? So, so, uh, best I can remember, cause this is a really, this is yeah, like yeah. 37 years ago, I think now, you know, um, the, the pastor talked about that. And he says, you know, back in the days when people lived in kingdoms and Kings and kingdoms, if there was evil Kings and there were good Kings and there were yeah. loving and altruistic Kings. Right. And if you lived in the kingdom of a good King, you lived protected, you lived cared for, you lived provided for you know, whatever your needs were, would be met. And you, you'd feel like what a blessing to live in this kingdom. I, any job in this kingdom, I'd sweep out the corners. This would be crazy. He said, that's like King Jesus. And he wants to be King and Lord is another word for that, you know, of your whole life, but you don't have to, but why wouldn't you, you know? And, and I remember just sitting there like, you know, it's one of those experiences, like you're the only guy in the room, you know. but my wife was also, and I didn't realize it was also nailing her. And I was like, okay, I know I have faith that Jesus is real and exists and died on a cross, but I don't know him that way. And I know right now that I am, I'm going to ruin my firstborn. I know I'm going to ruin his life. I'm gonna, and I'm going to ruin a marriage because that's, we came, both came from broken homes and I want Jesus to be Lord. I want him to be the King. And take the steering wheel. Like I'm mixing metaphors here. You know what I mean? But I want to take the wheel. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was legit. Like I really like the Bible says God grants faith and he grants repentance. And repentance isn't promise to stop doing something, feel bad about it, and really we'll try real hard. Repentance is a change of mind, a turning from lies to truth, from unbelief to belief. And he granted me that night. And I wanted that. And literally from that evening to this interview today, 
it's been a straight line of like, okay, we're going to try to try our best to like, let him be the Lord, let him be the King and follow him. There wasn't years of backsliding. There wasn't years of, you know, cause we're serial entrepreneurs and church planners. We're like, well, we're a little too busy for all that. No, it was all we were in. And God granted us that ability to see that. And then a community to kind of walk with us and disciple us into how the gospel speaks into normal life, not in the ways we do it now, but in such a completely different way than I have been raised. And my wife was raised Baha'i. So really in a cult. Yeah. And so she had a very different understanding of things. And so when God dropped, what was that? My wife was raised Baha'i. What is that? Oh, it's big world religion, brother. (laughs) It was an offshoot of, 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 uh, Muslim of Islam, but a much kinder, gentler, respectful of women version. Okay. And they have their own prophet, Baha'u'llah. And because God sends prophets throughout all of history, Jesus was a great prophet. And then the last one, the newest one is Baha'u'llah. So he's the new prophet. And so they're into everything and there's everything's cool. (laughs) And that's what she was raised in. But because everything was cool, she also got exposed to lots of different religion growing up, including a bunch of Christianity and lots of VBSs and stuff in the summers. And, you know, so, so we both kind of had spirituality, religion in our life, but not the gospel spoken into everyday life and how that speaks. And that's, that's, you know, that's kind of what we do now is like, we live, the kingdom has come. (laughs) Jesus said it. Remember he said, the kingdom has come, like you get to live in it. Right. Remember when his disciples went to Jesus and said, okay, teach us to pray the way you pray. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says, okay, okay. First off, our father, that blew their mind because that's not how they saw God. God was ticked right. off. He was a fire on a mountain or something like that, right? So our father, that makes us brothers and sisters. Hebrews says the same thing. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Okay. And then he goes, on earth as it is in heaven, let's ask for that. Well, how is it in heaven? I'm guessing it's perfect. It's full of grace, abundance. God owns it all. Provision, joy, astounding worship. Okay, on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is like, that's what you get to ask for. That means we get to expect it. Not like, well, some great day I'll fly away. Between now and then, let's try to sin less. No, it means now the kingdom came. So, you know, praise God. And you say, this guy seems full of joy. And and I am, because you know why? I live in the kingdom of God, man. And it is wonderful. (laughs) And regardless if I get to talk on podcasts, write books, travel around the world, or sweep the corner, I'm stoked, you know? And our kids have grown up now more and more that way than we were, certainly, and as we're growing and maturing in this. And we love our life. And because of that, people want to be part of Team K. That's what we call our family, Team K. I can tell you that story if you want, but how that happened. But it's a wonderful life in the kingdom. And there's scripture that says, and people will be beating down the door to get into the kingdom of heaven. And that's always been twisted. Like to crawl out of the lake of fire has nothing to do with that. (laughs) It's to leave this world system, the beast of do to be like what you do equals who you are, your value, you got to perform and get that title and get that degree. And that's what you, and be the perfect parent. Then be, you know, you'll be a perfect parent. If you do these things, that's the beast. You start living free in light of the gospel of grace. Oh, people are like, I got to get some of that. Cause that ain't what's happening at home or at work or in my head, you know? I hate myself kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Well, man, Jesus said it's for freedom that, you know, we, he came to set us free. Yeah. It's good news. <laughs> you might even call it good news. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, well, not a little bit, a whole lot about discipleship. Um, 
but maybe the Team K angle plays right into it. So yeah, I would like to hear more about Team K and and I've got an angle I want to take it to. However, I w- sure. I'd like to hear the story. When I was uh, doing a, a lot of international travel and our kids were maybe, let's say they were five, seven, and nine, somewhere, give or take a couple of years in there. Okay. Cause I did this for years and years, but I was doing a lot of international travel to places like Sudan during, you know, uh, the, the civil war there, Sierra Leone, when Liberia had attacked and all the amputations and hands and feet being chopped off and crazy, crazy stuff. Burma during the wars, I was doing a lot of that kind of travel. And, and when I'd be gone, my wife would say, you know, how's the kids doing? You know, like they're killing each other. <laughs> you know, like, like I swear they're not, you know, they're not on the same team here. They feel like they're playing on opposite teams. Like, well, how do we, you know? And so we started saying, you know, we're not big sports people, but we were like, how do we get them to feel like they're on the same team? You know? And so this idea popped into our world. I don't know how our head of like team K like, and so we went out and had these really cheesy <laughs> matching t-shirts made up. And this is like, it'll show my age, but this is, if you wanted something on a t-shirt back then, you had to go to the mall and the guy would airbrush it on there, you know, yeah, like yeah. the side of a hippie van. So we got these aqua blue, I should have had one here. I could show you because we still have some of them. Um, aqua blue shirt and had team K airbrushed on them. They all matched. And we would wear those when we were out, like maybe raking the neighbor's leaves or I don't know, go do fun stuff or whatever. And it became sort of our moniker of when we were at our best, like we're pulling together and Family dinner nights were a big deal in our family. They still are. They still are. <laughs> They're pretty sacred. Um, and Team K family dinner we kind of sort of became this thing that people wanted to, how do I get invited to a Team K family dinner? And people would sit there. I'm not joking yet, Dan. It was ridiculous. So many people would sit at our table and go, I've never done this before. And we're like, well, you've never had dinner? They're like, no, I mean, we eat at our house, but like, I've never just sat at a table with all of us in the family and it was fun and it wasn't fighting and weird. And I just wanted to get away. And I see, I could resonate because when I was a kid, it was like, we had to eat at five. If it was five Oh five, my dad was losing his mind. He was mean and angry. Really. They, he didn't want a lot of talking at the table except for, can I be excused? And we would be as quick as we could excused and leave to go we get back to our room and go hide in the basement, you know? And so I understood this and we started realizing that the way the way we started to live as a family was like, okay, well, we'll just treat people like family then like us. And our kids were constantly bringing people home and, 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 you know, asking like, could we bring these, you know, so-and-so Megan's family, you know, they're, she's going through a divorce or folks and she's really bummed. And could she just come to family dinner and dad, would you tell her you're beautiful? She's beautiful. Like you tell us every day, like she needs that, you know, mm-hmm. and all these kind of things. And so when we started playing church this way, we're like, well, we're just going to do that. And let the rings of relationship move outward to include more and more people. Well, it turns out people are dying for a place at the table, you know, Mm. and now our kids are grown and it's, it's no different. Like they have their own homes and kids, but still like Christmas, this last Christmas, like ding dong, answer the door. I don't know these people. (laughs) Hey, welcome. Merry Christmas. Come on in. And they're like, I'm like, who are you? And they're like, well, um, we're friends of, uh, I'm guessing your son, Caesar. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's not here yet, but come on in, you know? And then I asked my son, it's like, how do you know them? It's like, ah, I didn't even tell you where they were coming, but I knew you wouldn't care. Like, that's how we roll. You know, I'm like, ah, yeah. you're right. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. And, and you, you know, your mom always cooks enough food for like four times as many people. Cause she wants those little Christmas leftovers, but that's every night. That's just normal. You know? And so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how team K kind of came to be, but then how, as they grew and we grew an understanding what God was doing through that. 
experience. You know, like, like saying to my son, Hey, why don't you pick your three best pals and I'll talk to their dads and see if we can all go camping. All right. And God's in it. So they all go, yeah, let's go camping as dads. We'll take our sons. And then we'd go. And I didn't have any big agenda to try to get them to say the magic prayer or something. I just want to get to know their stories and show them how much I love their sons because they're over all the time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, they love that. And then they always had tons of questions about what's up and how do, what do you, how do you do with this? How do you deal with that? And so, you know, there was all this idea that I could disciple people without taking them through a nine week class and, you know, or they don't, what if they never come on Sunday? I don't really care. Didn't appear that Jesus did. He never planted a church service. You know? <laughs> so like, maybe we could just do these things too. Now, all the while, by the way, I was a pastor at churches, you know, <laughs> but in our life, we were just discipling people. So that's all I was going to ask. I'm like, at this time, how are you making money? Because guys can identify and understand a little bit with being a church pastor. It helps a little from yeah. the authoritarian. This guy knows a thing or two, most likely let's ask him some questions kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we, my wife and I are serial entrepreneurs. And so from uh, pretty early in our marriage, I, I think we started our first record company, first business, um, right as our second child was being born. And I okay. left my job that wasn't paying that well and made about half as much. And my wife had had the good corporate job. We felt very strongly. God was saying, raise your babies now and, and trust me. So we went to like half of my salary, none of hers. And we were starting a business. <laughs> That was our first one in 85 or six. And so, but God always provided in some astounding ways. And so we've always, almost always been self-employed along the way there. I had some jobs at churches, you know, as a pastor, um, and those were somewhat ill-fitting, but not, not so bad, but you know, I'm used to leading. And if you weren't the senior pastor, like, Hey, easy. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and we've, but mostly we've been self-employed and employed many others. And and that's how we've paid the bills along the way. We're certainly not rich people, but we've never missed a meal or had to sleep under a bridge or anything. God's been really, really good to keep his, his end of the deal is I'll meet your needs. So I always tell people like, did you sleep sheltered last night? You're wearing clothes. I can see that. Have you eaten in the last day or so? Well, then God's completely keeping his part of the bargain. Ours is then follow me and make disciples. So let's do that. <laughs> so one of the guys that listens uh, recently said to me, keep listening to the podcast. And what I keep hearing is this family dinner thing seems pretty important. And I keep talking to other guys and it sounds like this family dinner thing. Like, do you guys do that on Sunday or, or when do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, for us, it's moved around, you know what I mean? Based on the kid's life and our life and travel yeah. and all that. So uh, we were always the family that ate together every night, pretty much, you know, and the kids, when they hit those, you know, teenage years, and now all of a sudden they're, you know, they got sports and band and, and oh, jobs now and oh, driving, what you know, it, then it gets tougher. But we, we always had that. It's like, okay, so Wednesday that, or whatever, you know, Thursday, that's family dinner night right now. And there's no missing it. And my wife was kind of raised this way too, in the sense that, you know, you got to be home for dinner. Uh, there's no excuse and you can bring anybody you want, you know, and that's probably part of what led to that open table sort of, uh, you know, environment for us too. But um, because our table, our, our family dinner was open 
And we, we had coveted my wife and I, like, it's going to be a, it's going to be a time of grace, not of discipline. We're not shaming anybody. We're not fighting. We're not letting them fight. We're not letting them tear each other down. We're going to try to live like we believe the kingdom is here. And if they're going crazy, well, we'll talk about that later. We'll address that. But right now we're going to try to be like a family. And we're going to talk about, you know, we call it high, low Buffalo, you know, the best part of your day, you know, high, low, and then Buffalo. But what's the weirdest thing you saw today, you know? And so when you ask good questions and you listen and you try to get to the thing behind the thing, well, why was that the worst part of your day? Well, and so-and-so said this and I was like, well, what's true of you, honey? You know, what, what do you, what do you believe in right now about yourself? You know? So those kind of things you see like, well, now that's good news. <laughs> and then you've got friends sitting there until they're like, I've never experienced this. This is nuts. <laughs> and it's fun. Cause like we have fun. Like that's one thing about team K you, you want to come, bro. <laughs> you want, you're invited. You can come. I'm not joking. You come any week, you know, <laughs> you can come that's any good. night really. But, but so that, that became, you know, part of that process of how we built relationships. And what we have found is if you treat people like family, not like guests, like family, not like guests, they respond like family. Treat someone like a guest. It's like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Sure. Uh, what can I bring? Nothing. Just your smiling face. Come on over. You know? Um, oh, okay. Um, and then when they get there, you know, you're like, hand them a thing and you treat them like a guest. And then can I help clean up? Nope. Nope. We got it. We got it all. It's okay. That's nice. That's kind of how my mom was, you know, super nice. My mom was from the South, you know, Southern Bell and everything was awesome. But you didn't want to mess up the lines in the carpet, you know. <laughs> but when you treat people like family, it's like, come on in, uh, just move that laundry from the couch. I'm sorry, just th- go throw it on my bed, you know, <laughs> like whatever. And like, could you would you mind running this out to the garage, throwing that in trash real quick or whatever? Or hey, grab a knife. We got a lot of mushrooms we need to cut up for tonight. You know, what just treat them like family. People are like, oh, boof, they just melt and they're stoked. And they want to stick around and help clean up. And you're like, please. In fact, I would have asked you if you hadn't offered because <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. that's what family does, right? Healthy yeah, family. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people who hear these kind of things, Dan, would say, well, that's not the family I grew up in. So when you say live like a family, I, I, don't, I don't get it and I don't even want it, right? And so we've learned, my wife and I, in our coaching and training of others around the world, we have to, we have to qualify that. We want to live like a healthy family. And one that has God as their daddy and Jesus as their brother and is empowered by the Holy Spirit, the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's powerful. <laughs> that's way more powerful than a, than a bad day at work or, you know, COVID or, you know, I lost the game or I got a C in this class or I flunked that class. The power that raised Christ from the dead, that's our power source. And God's our daddy. Jesus is our brother. That family, how would they live? let's, let's try to let the spirit of God guide us into that life. And so, so we qualify that because not a lot of people had that experience. We didn't growing up. We both, my wife and I came from broken, broken families, you know, broken homes. So, yeah. And you had the mentor family that kind of helped you see what this looked like. It sounds like. Yeah, very, very much so. And, and they, they lived it in a way that we had never experienced and yet not even to the degree that we now experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've kind of surpassed what you saw. And our kids are the same way. They live it so free and easy. And we talk about, you know, being set free from legalism and all that. And they're like, we don't have that. Like, we don't feel the weight of that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but a lot of people do. And I'm like, but we don't. You know, so like, oh, I guess that's a good thing, right? It's like, yeah, that's not how you raised us. Like, we don't live that way. And we were certainly not perfect parents, Dan. Uh, not at all. I would say that right now, as we parent adult kids and grandkids, 
a very good percentage of our parenting and our disciple making now is asking for forgiveness for things that we did as parents that we go, you remember that? And they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. That sucked. You're like, can I tell you why that was sin? And can I ask for your forgiveness? And they're always super gracious, super gracious. Oh, it's okay. It's like, no, that was so sinful. That was so selfish. Here's what I was believing at the time about you or about myself or about God or my performance as a dad. That was just sin. I'm so sorry for that. Here's the truth of the gospel, honey. You know, mm. And that's half our conversations, I feel like, right now, spiritually with the kids. <laughs> 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 and guess what? It's meaningful to them because they're parenting, you know? I'm thinking they're they're thinking, Dad, you're crazy. Like you're our kids know because this is just a lifestyle. They don't know it any different, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm and thinking they're, they're thinking you're such a great dad. Like, what the heck? They're just thinking about? this is how family works, right? But yeah. now they are old enough to know, like, no, this is rare, you know, rarer. <laughs> it's not, you know, we're not the only family that's close or lives this way, but it's more rare than you'd guess. I mean, my wife and I coach a lot of people and a lot of pastors and their wives. And they don't all have that existence. They don't all have that experience yet, but they're starting to. And that yeah, starts so to transform kinda, their churches too, you know? Yeah. You're kind of ideal person that you coach is a church pastor. In a perfect world. I like coaching pastors and their, and their wives and their families, because I know that they're going to multiply that right away. Right. We coach all kinds of people and they make disciples like crazy. It's what a privilege, you know, and maybe some of the folks we coach listen to your podcast. I'll bet they do. And some of them will, cause I'm going to share it out when years, you know, oh, but, awesome. but they, uh, but I love coaching leaders because I know that they're going to start passing that on and that's going to start filtering into their preaching and teaching and, and their discipleship is going to go from either non-existent or a set of classes to everyday life. You know, that's, that's why we call our ministry and our podcast everyday disciple, because I think you get to live this all day, not just for an hour, hour and a half on the weekend, and then get back to chasing the American dream. All right. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you've got a pretty cool podcast, the everyday disciple or everyday disciples, the name of it. And uh, yeah, short little segments here and there, a little 30 minutes, you know, on your way to work kind of thing. Um, the energy you're bringing here, you've got on your podcast as well. So let's transition just a bit. Guys that I talk to, they uh, clench up a little bit sometimes when they hear spiritual leader of the family, or they clench up a little bit when they hear uh, priest, prophet, and king. They clench up a little bit when they realize that they have some responsibility to guiding their kids and helping them get to heaven. And with you, you talking discipleship, what are some things that guys should step into or, or what's a way where they can have some confidence that as you said before, well, I think this was before the podcast, you were talking about, uh, um, have you taught your kids how to use a miter saw and, uh, join things together and build fancy shelving and stuff, uh, cabinets, whatever. You're like, I don't know how to do any of that. Yeah. And guys feel the same way when it comes to. They do. Yeah, they do. Cause most, most men have not been discipled, you know? And so, of course, they're they're going to feel a little shy to that. And what I would say is, uh, let's reframe this a bit. First off, there's no should or shouldn't in the gospel. Okay, there's no should or shouldn't in the gospel. It's like you get to, or you need not, because Christ has already done that for us. Now, right away, that shift takes a lot of the pressure off of us as dads. I, I had mentioned so, earlier. So this, you get to guys. So you get apply, to apply that to your life. Whatever it is, not you're, you're doing. supposed to, 
Yes. Should, like stop shooting on yourselves, right? Stop shooting all over your kids. There's no should in the gospel. It's you get to, or you need not, right? I learned that from a friend of mine who's, who's, who's an author, you know? And, and uh, you know, it's like that changed our lives. Like, no, you get to. And so you get to parent in this way, but you go, but I don't know how. Yeah. So get, just be honest about so that. So get to, or have to, I have to do this. Like, right. no. By the way, I got to give credit where credit's due. That's from Tim Chester. Tim Chester, (laughs) okay. So, so, but yeah, we get to, okay. Now, the other thing is, instead of thinking of spiritual head of the home, which is true, I 100% agree with that. What that equals, according to Jesus, is not like top down, Lord over. It's you, as I've been sent, so I send you. Well, Jesus is a servant who lays his life down. Whoa, I didn't see much of that in my old man. Was his way or the highway. And it was oftentimes violently, uh, you know, adhered to, you know, like, you know, enforced. I mean, so, so, I, you know, let's take the supposed to should out of it. Cause right away, then when you're not, you feel guilty and shamey and weird. And that's not the gospel. Um, and so if you think spiritual head of your household, then say, well, if I was like Jesus, would I be doing a good job? Yeah. Well then, then let's be a servant. Okay. And then I want to put the ax to this whole do to be. Well, if I do these things, then I'll be a better dad. If I do this, then I'll get a raise at work or I'll be seen as valuable. Or if I, if I do this, I go back to college and get this degree, then I'll be seen as, or if I do pastoring, you know, I have the title pastor, then I'll be more spiritualized or people will respect. That's the beast that scripture talks about. The, the, the world system of do to be like, no, it's Jesus has done it. So you get to be who he created you to be. And if he's giving you kids, then you get to be a father who's a servant, remember, who's got God as their dad. Jesus says, I'll walk with you in this. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And, and you don't have to do this in your own strength because I know work's hard. I know work toil, you know, all that stuff comes right out of Genesis 3, right? But I will empower you with the same power that raised me from the dead, my own spirit. Well, okay. I wasn't raised that way. I didn't see that. So what's that look like? And that's why discipleship needs to happen in community. I, you know, like we spend a lot of time with people because young men want to know well, what's it look like. And, and I noticed you guys still fight, but then you forgive. And it's like, you get to the issue behind the thing you get sins, not the action sins, the unbelief behind it. And you guys go there and then you good news that, and you forgive one another and move on. It wasn't a weird, crazy thing. I've never seen that. You know, that's the gospel at work. And so we had to be taught those things too, because that wasn't how we were raised. And so, so dads, this is a privilege. This is uh, my mentor, Pastor Johnny. And I was telling you, like, when we finally understood this Lordship message and found ourselves in a church and a couple, it was Pastor Johnny Jenkins and his wife, Ruth. I talk about them in my books all the time, because they're still in our life. They're, they're much older now, <laughs> and they're still just dear saints in our lives. I trust them with anything, everything. And um, they said to us, a they, they, couple things they said. They said, um, if you're parenting well, you'll parent way more to the thing behind the, the heart behind things than the action. Because you know, if you just parent to the action, stop that, then you're just reinforcing do to be. When you stop doing that, or if you do more of this, I will love you more. If you do better at school, I will be more proud of you and love you. Well, then they go, oh, God must be the same way. He's not. He goes, because of what my son's done, I look at you like a perfect son and I'm crazy about you. I always tell people, if God's got a refrigerator in heaven, 
your pitcher's on it, man. Like he loves you. You don't have to do anything, Dad, to be believe to be loved by God. That's that's Just the beast, that man. Morning. That's the enemy. That, but you get to, and you get to trust him for that. And so, like Pastor Johnny said, so you're going to parent primarily to the heart behind things, not the action. And if the heart changes, the actions will change. And then the other best advice that he had ever given us was keep sin between your kids and God, not don't make it sin against you. Don't make their choices, which God gave them, not you, their choices and their actions. And when it's sinful, like don't make that against you. The Bible teaches sin is only against God. So send your kids to God to deal with that. And don't let their actions and choices drive wedges and walls between you. Don't you be the one building those walls because you're exactly the same way with God. Now you're seeing the reflection in the mirror that you created, you know? <laughs> so don't let sin become an issue between you and your kids. Let, let that be between, keep helping them move that. Now, when they're real little, they barely understand that. But I can remember so many conversations with our kids, you know, son, why, why do you keep saying those kinds of things to your sister? Well, she just didn't like, you know, son, is that true about her? No. Why are you saying that? Let's talk about what's going on in your heart. However, I want you to go before we do go talk to God about that, son. And ask him to forgive you. He already has, but, you know, have that conversation. And I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, you know, I see him a few hours later over. It's like, you talk to God about that a little bit, buddy. It's like, yeah, I did. What did he say? He forgives me. He loves me. I'm like, there you go. Now let's, let's talk about what do you believe in about your sister? You know? So it's not an issue between me and him. Now, sometimes I have to say, when you say that to me, you know, like, I hate you, you're ruining my life or whatever, you know, kids said all that kind of stuff too. Oh man. So, and that hurts so my feelings. Yeah. They can, they can get you exactly the right way. That like, hurts my feelings. You, buddy, they can but get I the love specific you. version of, I hate you. That's really good. Oh, no, they know it. Really going to rip your heart out. They know it now, man. You know, they're in their thirties and they know exactly what I could turn a screw on dad because they know me. But if I believe what God says is true about me now, then I go, well, okay, I, that might be some stuff that's coming from my unbelief yet, but that's not who God says I am. In other words, my actions, my unbelief don't equal who I am or my value in God's eyes. So if I can stay secure then, there, then I don't have to freak out on my kids. The reason we get angry, Dan, with our kids, you ready for it? Here it is. Yeah. Why we have all these disciplinary action problems is because we get upset when our false sense of sovereignty is being thwarted by these young ones. <laughs> I'm angry with you because you're not submitting to my sovereignty. <laughs> but God says, I'm God, you're not. And these are my kids and I'm allowing you to steward them. So why are you so upset? See, that sin's not against you. It's against me, the way I've created them in the world. Help them believe what's true about them. They'll, they'll live differently. They'll know the truth that sets them free. Help them know that truth. You know. Want to homeschool? but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model to find a classical conversations community near you visit classicalconversations.com slash dad journey and now back to the show 
So I think a guy listening right now is like, what do you mean? Tell me, tell me more about this God and, and who you are. And so just in case there is one guy out there listening, that's like, no, 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 I got to ask a question. Well, let's take it back to this do to be, you know, what you do equals your value or what you've done in the past equals who you are. That's a lie. That's from the pit. That's the beast that scripture talks about. But what God says is Caesar, Dan, everybody listening, you're my dearly loved son. Because of what Christ has done, I remember he says, I have put sin away and choose to remember it no more. Now that's not, that's mind blowing because let's just say, Dan, you and I have been friends since high school. We've done some stuff to hurt each other, but because of our friendship, we've forgiven each other. But I remember it, bro. Remember that one time when you took that girl out that I, you knew I wanted to date or remember that one time when like this in business and you took that from me and you moved on with it and, and we've gotten past it. God's like chosen not to remember it anymore. So not only have we been forgiven because of the cross, but God says, oh, Dan, like what sin? Dan is not the guy who used to dot, dot, dot. Dan's not the guy that I forgave of X and Y and Z. And by the way, I had to create a new alphabet for this guy. You know, no. What's in? So that's how God sees us. You got to believe that because he says it. So either God's a liar. Don't believe Caesar. Believe God. Go look at scripture. Your sin has been put away as far as the east is from the west, and God chooses not to remember it. So God does not look at us like we look at others as the sum of our failures. Or, you know, I had to forgive him of all this stuff, but he's doing better now. Uh-uh. You know, he used to live this way. He used to be addicted to that. God's like, this is my son. Hey, have you met my son? I'm, I'm crazy about Dan. You got to meet Dan. And when you start believing what God says is true, you, then you start to live out of that truth of your identity. See, there's freedom when you get to live as who you really are. Think about it. What sucks in life is the masks and the performance that do to be distortion. That's what sucks. Because here's, here's the tyranny of that. Dan thinks I'm kind of a nice guy who seems to have a lot of joy. He mentioned it on the podcast, but really I suck. I freaking hate myself if he only know the truth. But now that I have got him hoodwinked, I have to perform. So Dan keeps believing it. Then I go, I think it's working, but now I go deep, deep. Now we move a little further into my heart. I go, Dan doesn't really like Caesar. He likes the performance that Caesar like put up. See what I mean? That's, mm -hmm. that's tyranny. Salvation's about being set free of, from all of that and believing what God says is now true of us. Because if you live out of what's true of you, it's natural. It's the easiest, freest way to live. I, here's how I illustrate that. I go, birds don't fly because they're supposed to, or they should. <laughs> birds fly, man, because they get to. <laughs> right? If I say, hey, Dan, check your, check your uh, email right now. I just sent you a thing. Click on it, and you're going to have wings, bro. And you get to fly now. I'm not joking. Check it out. And you click down and you're like, oh my gosh, you'd be like podcast over. And you know, I'm flying, man. I get to, are you kidding? <laughs> Let's go. Who else gets to fly? Right. Right. Birds don't fly because they're supposed to. They fly because they get to. When you believe God doesn't see you as the person who used to do anything or uh, here's the, here's the list of stuff. I, but I forget about that. And he's doing better now. When you here's see what I'm picturing with the wings, I'm, we just watched Avatar. <laughs> And those beasts that you get to yeah, jump right? on yeah, and we saw that last with week. and whatever. I'm like, dude, yeah, that's the greatest. Right? But can you imagine if you start believing what God says is true then and you start to live that way as a parent? 
or as a husband or as a friend. And you're like, yeah, like I don't have to defend my false sense of identity because I'm going to live more and more in light of the truth of who God says I am. And so I'm going to screw up lots of stuff, but I don't have to defend it. Well, yeah, but here's what I just go. Yeah, I screw up some stuff. I'm so glad that's not my identity. I'm so glad that does has zero effect on God's love and affection for me. And I want you to love me the same way, but I can't expect that if I don't love you that way. Right. Jesus says, do unto others what you'd want. And the way you judge, so shall you be judged. We, we tend to turn that around into icky, weird things like, well, if you judge people harshly, they're going to, if you live judging yourself all the time, then you're going to be judgmental with your kids and your wife and your employees. You start believing what God says is true of you and that none of that's in the factor for how he loves you. You're going to start living with grace and giving people a break and saying, well, wow, we're really level, aren't we? Because we both on our own suck, but now we're forgiven <laughs> and empowered. And yeah, see, that's the heart of that's the heart of the gospel message. Not say a magic prayer so you get your afterlife upgrade. And now try to sin less, bro. Try to sin less. Make sure you force those kids to church regardless. That's that's due to be. <laughs> oh man free yourselves from that. Don't believe the do to be lies anymore. So I'm thinking back to like 24 year old Caesar. I hear you, man. I hear you, man. I got it, but you don't understand. I've got to sell these dime bags. I've got to <laughs> like, I, 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 I have all this sin behind me. I got all this baggage behind me. Like I, I hear you that God forgives. However, I'm different. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I grew up in church, so I felt like as long as I had said the Jesus in my heart prayer, I was probably forgiven. Now, I grew up in a brand of Christianity that said, but every time you sin, you lose your salvation. <laughs> like, it's up to you. Like, it's just, so, it was such, and it, that the Nam still teaches that. I'm not going to get into it, but um, that's not true. And scripture doesn't teach that. But I actually didn't really ever, I always thought, no, if I can't save myself, then I can't unsave myself. So I think, I think I, but I, it was a do to be. If you do this, mm -hmm. say this prayer, and then try to sin less, then you'll be a good Christian and God will be happy with you. How, how do you answer that question when people say, is so-and-so going to heaven or that person's going to heaven right? Or whatever that version is that shows up in your life. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, that's up to God. I, I, it's really hard to know, isn't it? I okay. will tell you this, the older I get, the bigger I understand grace is. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to take those verses and there's a whole pile of them where Jesus says that he died for the sins of everyone, of all mankind. And he never says, and that'll be true for you as long as you pray this super special prayer and really mean it. <laughs> so the older I get, the more I'm realizing grace is really, really huge. And no eye has seen and no one's really fully conceived of what ultimately heaven's going to be like. So we'll see who God decides is going to be there, you know, in that way, whatever that really means. But what I do know is Jesus says, I've come in the flesh to show you that the kingdom has come and you get to walk in it and it's real and it's now and it's today. And so that's the part I get to do for sure. And I believe that life is eternal. And I think we humans were created to live forever. And we chose to break that by trying to create an identity apart from God and manage the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong for ourselves. <laughs> right. And that's what leads to the tyranny of life. But when you start to live in light of what God says and let him make those decisions again, back to lordship, like I don't get to or need to make the decisions of right or wrong, good and evil for myself. I increasingly trust him for that. 
Hey, guess what? It goes really well then. Freedom. So I don't, you know, this, this binary who's in and who's out, I think it's adventurous and missing the point, to be honest with you. So you're saying God forgives Jesus us. didn't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. If, he, if it was so important, like our churches want to make it oftentimes, then Jesus would have talked about it primarily. And he almost didn't, you know. He talked so about God, getting to know his dad and that the kingdom has come. And this is what it looks like to live in light of that. That's, that's what he talked about. Yeah. That's why yeah. he said, here's the only mission. Go make disciples who understand and live this way. And they'll make more disciples. And that's how the world gets filled with my glory. What's glory mean? The way God really is. How so, does the world get filled with his glory? By disciples of Jesus, making more disciples. That's what we get to do. What? You kidding me? <laughs> what a life. So how can we move guys from where they might be feeling right now to the get to do side of making disciples, whether it's inside of their own house or outside of their house? Well, it's a process of the gospel at work, Dan. It's not one thing I'm going to say. It's not one week hanging out at my house in community, you know, but it starts with believing what God says is true of you instead of trying to live a life pleasing God. And that's mind blowing. And that comes right from the authors of the cure. But, but if you could ask God, God, I don't have, you know, this is a beautiful thing about faith. God says, if you lack it, then ask for more and I will give it in abundance. And I don't find fault for that. So if you say, I can't, I have a hard time believing what I'm hearing you say, that God doesn't see my sin anymore, that he has chosen to forgive it and forget it. I'm having a hard time living in light of that. Say, well, God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believe your scripture is true. And that's what Caesar is quoting here. But would you grant me repentance? That's what scripture says, that God grants repentance. We don't muster it up. Repentance isn't feel bad for something. Stop doing it. I promise. I promise I won't. That's due to be. Repentance, the word teshuva, that's that word, means to return. To return to what? To what's true of you because of what's true of God and what he's done in his son, right? Okay, so I, God, I, I'm having a hard time with that. But that's okay because God says, I'm the one who grants repentance. Great. Grant me a new mind to return to the truth of who you've created me to be in your image, part of your family of missionary servants, triune, and, and then grant me the faith to walk as if that's already true. That's you have to, God has to grant that. And so that'd be my prayer for all of, you know, everybody listening. That was Paul's prayer. It's my favorite prayer. He goes, I would pray that God would grant them. He says, repentance unto salvation or another translation is freedom. That's what I pray for my friends, believing and not God, would you grant them repentance? In other words, a new mind, a return to the truth unto freedom. So if you feel like, man, I've been the worst father in the world. I've screwed up my kids. I don't know if they would ever listen to anything about this. God, would you grant my brothers repentance, a new mind, a return to what you say is true of them and their kids, apart from their actions? Because you've already paid the price for that. That's already been done at the cross. It is finished. Would you grant them repentance, a new mind, and faith unto freedom? God has to start granting that. And I believe he will. And I'm asking for it right now. <laughs> I had to, man, I am the worst guy in the world. If you just ask me and I have all the pedigrees of every type of quote, sinful action, but it all stemmed from unbelief and not believing what was true about me, believing what my, maybe my dad had said about me or a boss or this one coach or my siblings. And I started believing that's what, that's what I, so I'll, I want to change that. I have to do these things and the world every day, every day, the world says, that's how you, if you want to be different, do different things. 
that's the beast. That's the it's backwards. It's tyranny. Because if you actually achieve a little of that, now you have to sustain it or you won't be anymore. That's what leads to stress and addiction and anger and freaking out. Yeah. So, so guys hearing this go, I want more of that. Say, Father, would you grant me like faith in that area? Like, and you say you will, like in abundance without fault. All right. He will, I promise. And, and I also say we need to have this washed over us over and over. That's why discipleship happens in community. And people say, well, that's why I go to church. That's, there's a difference between sitting in rows in silence and hearing a 30-minute message than living in a community where people speak what I'm saying over you, on you, to you in every area of your life. I need that, man. Me and some of my buddies here locally, we, we do uh, something we call cigar and theology. <laughs> and we get together and we have uh, some, not everybody smokes and not everybody drinks, but some of the guys have smokes and some of the guys have drinks. And we talk about all this stuff in light of what I'm talking about. So it's theology. Well, what's theology? Who is God? What's he done? What's he say is now true of us because of that? And then how do we get to live? And it's powerful. And they, they always go like, oh man, I need it so bad. I need this so bad. How come I don't get this at church? <laughs> like, well, that's a different environment. It's primarily a worship environment. This is a discipleship environment on my deck with a cigar. So I need this. Two Fridays ago, Cigar and Theology here. I woke up in the morning. My wife was like, how'd that go last night? And I'm like, I need it so bad. I need it so bad. <laughs> because I tend to slip into the world system of do to be. Well, if... If I could grow my podcast, or if I had more people sign up for coaching, or if I, you know, my next book sold better, I would be like, God's like, no, that adventures and missing the point, son. That's not, that's not where your value comes from. I don't love you more or less because of any of that, nor does really anybody else. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. (laughs) You go buy the fancy thing. You do the fancy thing. You achieve something. And people are like, yeah, good job, whatever. And get that Tesla, man. Can I get that new Audi? <laughs> so I was talking with a guy today and he says, uh, he says, my wife would have all these complaints and anxiety and I'd listen and listen and listen. And years ago, I would always try to solve and I, I gotten better at the listening side. And then I get frustrated at listening. And so I would use, well, have you prayed about it? But I'd use it kind of as a weapon. <laughs> Let's shut up. Let me and shame then, you just a little bit. About yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shame, let me shame you because you haven't. <laughs> I've done it, bro. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, I, I recently kind of realized that I was doing that and I realized a better way to do it, which is, you know, Hey, hon, I, I hear you. That sounds heavy. Can we pray together? There you go. You take know, her by let, the hand. Let, and- let me pray with you. Let, let us pray yeah. together and take this to God and, you know, give it up and allow him to, to bring some healing in or to bring some wisdom or to bring some peace or patience or forgiveness or whatever it is that we need in this situation. And I was like, wow, like that was cool. Yeah. We talk a lot, Dan, in our, in our, my writings and on the podcast, like pretty much every episode um, in our, in our coaching, we talk about something called gospel fluency. You know, you think of the word fluency, it's like uh, learning a language. We talk about having the fluency of the gospel, not Bible literacy. Like that's not what we're after. Like lots and lots of Bible knowledge, but gospel fluency, this ability to speak and see and experience the good news of the gospel in absolutely every area of life. And that's not a language most of us have learned or been taught, but we get to, and we spend a lot of time with those that we coach and disciple in our lives and our kids and everybody. Uh, on on growing in gospel fluency and 
all these things of anxiety and depression and stress over work and performance issues and our kids. And if they don't get the right college, oh my God, you know, and, or they're look at that, they're going this way. And I want to go this way, all that stuff. There's a, there's gospel unbelief behind all of that. And you can learn to say, oh, I understand what I, I can see exactly what they're believing now or not believing, you know, and let, let me see if I can good news them and remind them of what God says is true of them in this area. And then that leads to like, so what's true of your identity and authority and privilege. And out of that is like, okay, so how do I get to live? And then how can we help you remember that truth? So accountability in the gospel, isn't like, maybe you had accountability partners, Dan, in the past. Oh yeah. It's always a little icky, you know, like gospel, you know, it's like, oh, here comes Dan. He's going to ask me if I quit doing that. Or if I was looking at that this week, or did you stop that? Or did you read your chapters? You know, it's always do to be Yeah, yeah. gospel accountability is like, Hey, Dan, last week we had a big talk about what's true of you in this area. You know, how, how's it been going this week? Believe in that truth and living out of that. What's that led to? Or, you know, I, well, I wasn't believing that man. I, how about I, how about I, <laughs> like, I got a big meeting this week. Like, how about I call you in the morning? And I just remind you what God says is true of you before you have that peer review, you know, or whatever, you know, and you're like, wow, that'd be super helpful. Great. I'll just do it. I know, you know, in your head, but let me help remind your heart. Maybe we could pray together about that. And then let's, uh, let's catch a beer later and see how that went. How'd your day go? You know? And that's this idea of growing in the ability to speak the good news and experience the gospel in all of life is life changing. <laughs> it is miraculous how powerful the gospel is. And it's way bigger than just our sin atonement and afterlife. It's now it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he said, it is finished. It's all ours now. He didn't say, but when I get back, I got a few more things and then this Dan guy to clean up. <laughs> You know, it's finished. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, can I tell uh, you one more Team K story? Yeah, give us Team K story. Let me, let me, let me just jump way ahead, okay? This idea of living like a family this way that people kind of want to join and hang out with. And, you know, our kids are bringing their friends into it because they, oh, they need this, you know? And we still live that way. A few years back, my, um, my daughter, uh, Kristen, got married. So our second born, our oldest daughter, okay? And, uh, and geez, it's 10 years ago now, hard to believe. But she married the love of her life. It was amazing. Daniel, like we met this guy right away. We're like, this is the guy we've been praying for our whole life for her. Like, no kidding, since she was a baby. And we met him. We're like, oh, God, finally, we knew you'd bring him, you know? And the, the, whole, the whole ceremony and the reception, it was really a picture of the gospel. It was just beautiful. It was very diverse uh, as far as people's beliefs and all of it. it was just as diverse in every way you could be. We loved it. And during the time when everybody was uh, uh, giving their appropriate and sometimes, you know, hilarious speeches and all that kind of stuff. Um, I stood up and I, uh, it was my turn as father of the bride, you know, to, to give my speech. And even though I had married her, <laughs> but it was my turn. And I officially in, inducted my new son-in-law, Daniel uh, into team K. Okay. <laughs> now everybody there knows this term. If you know us, you know the term Team K, but I wanted to officially adduct him in. So I had had new, uh, new improved Team K shirts made up. You know, they didn't, they weren't the old airbrushed ones. I, a buddy of mine did a new logo. It kind of looked like a Superman logo, but with a K and said team like sports anyway. And he's big dude. My, my son-in-law, he's weightlifter dude and all that. So I had, I pull, I pull out of a bag. I pull out his Team K shirt and I said, I want to induct you in, you know, and everybody's laughing and you know, they're, they're all that. And I said, but now, you know, uh, 
as uh, you're, you're leading the Dillard division. And I turn the shirt around and it's team K on the front and says Dillard division. That's his last name. <laughs> I said, now as, as a leader of the Dillard division of team K brother, you know, welcome, but I expect you to grow the division. And I had a shirt for my wife and it was a little French cut or me, I mean, his wife, my daughter had a little small logo on it, you know, a little French cut shirt. And on the back, it said Dillard division. I said, but I really, I want you to grow the division and I'm reaching into the bag and I'm pulling out onesies now, you know, <laughs> and they got little team K logo on it. Everybody's laughing. They're crazy. It's they're, you know, they get it right. It's all fun and everything. And we all had a laugh and share a few tears, you know, later that night, a really good friend of ours who had been there, she's part of the community, part of our Oikos, our extended family there. Um, she had been at the wedding. She posts on Facebook. And, and here's what she posted. Okay. I'm going to read it. I'm probably going to get a little choked up, but this is, this is, this is God at work, man. Okay. She says, I went to a wedding tonight and a very beautiful woman married a very handsome man. There's now a Dillard division of team K as one additional member was added to team K. I looked around the room and I saw many people I know that have been loved and included by every member of this team. There are hundreds of honorary members of Team K here, and I am blessed beyond words and understanding about how thankful I am to be one of them. Love you all so, so very much, and thank you for including, encouraging, and caring for so many. Isn't that beautiful, man? Like, that is and, beautiful. And I don't share that because like, well, yay us. I'm like, yay God and what he's doing. And I, and I challenge people. I challenge men listening right now. Are you living in such a way and leading your family in such a way that it's a family worth joining, worth imitating. You know, are you living lives worth imitating? You, we get to, we get to. That was not my life growing up at all. That was not what was modeled. And yeah, like I said, man, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That had been my life, you know. And by God's grace and through discipleship and community and allowing the gospel to help us move from unbelief to belief about everything and what's true of God. These things can change. And, and like I said, you can ask God to grant you faith in these areas and lead you. That type of a legacy, that's, that was a 10-year-old story that's only grown bigger in the last 10 years, can be yours as well. <laughs> it really gets to, you know, we get to have that kind of life. And like I said, imperfect. You want to talk to my kids. Perfect? Nope. <laughs> Mom and dad, perfect? Not so much, you know. But it's a beautiful picture, and it's becoming a more and more beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. There's a little outpost. And by his grace, we've helped lots and lots of other families and couples and pastors do this same thing, have the same life, and then model that and lead their families and their churches into this. It really is the kingdom come that Jesus promised in as much as, as we get to see it here on this side of you know, heaven. <laughs> yes, yes. So, guys, if you heard that story and thought, wow, that'd be really cool. Or if you go, yeah, that's not my family's version of super cool where we want to go, but it brought your image of where you'd like to go, come up. Think about how you can get there and think about the people around that maybe are closer to where you want to be than where you are. And how can you connect with them, learn from them, use them as a mentor family? And flip side, what can you do to be more in that uh, space that you want to be? grow a more Christ-centered family and invite another family into yours so they can see somebody that's a step or two or 10 ahead of them and bring them along. So um, sharing our experiences both ways. So with people a little in front of us and people a little behind us and bringing that together. And then we're all on that journey together with community. We'll go farther 
and we'll bring more with us and it'll keep expanding more and more and more. And people will be able to live like Caesar's describing, like it's a whole different way to live without all that stress, anxiety, pressure that the world puts on us because we're living differently and living God's way. And it really is a beautiful way. And earlier you mentioned surrender. And this week I keep running into different versions of surrender. And I was in a small prayer group with some guys a guy that has made one of the biggest films, you know, in the past 10 years was praying for his own son. He goes, my son for two years, hasn't been able to fully surrender to Christ and he's praying and he's trying to get there, but something's holding him back. And as his father, me and my wife are praying for him. And I invite you guys to pray for my son. And I'm like, holy cow, this is really cool that he's a believer, but he's having some troubles and he's not surrendering. And, does take a lot of courage and does take uh you know time to surrender and you got to constantly fight against you know our own selfish desires so that we can surrender but uh, i love that you brought that word up earlier way earlier in the podcast was surrendering and uh surrendering into a beautiful hard to surrender yeah yeah because i'm used to being you know the one who manages good and evil right and wrong for myself and for you if you'll let me Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a much better way to live when we let God take care of all that for us. I know it's hard to hear something like this in one sitting and go like, Oh, I got it. I, that's impossible. And it even sounds impossible to me, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm the beneficiary of God's grace in this area, my family and my wife and all, but that's what we talk about on the everyday disciple podcast. And so I would just encourage folks to dial that up. You know, after you get list, done listening to Dan every week, maybe, you know, once in a while, check that out. And you can go to everydaydisciple.com. It's, it's singular, everydaydisciple.com. If you go to that site, there is so many free resources and like how to date your daughter, daddy daughter dates, how to have a perfect date night with your wife. There's, you know, there's all kinds of this gospel fluency stuff. There's leadership stuff for churches. How do I begin to move my church towards these kinds of things? You'll find the link to the podcast there. So I, I just, you know, invite you come download a whole bunch of free stuff. Maybe check out the podcast while you're there, everydaydisciple.com. And, and maybe little by little, like it was in my life, this stuff will start to peel back the do to be beast and, and distortion and, and you'll find some new spiritual freedom and, and relational peace with others. Yeah, your website is super cool. Uh, there are a bunch of great downloads. I downloaded the Daddy Daughter Date. We there do those go. regularly, but I'm like, hey, if I can add I one still more, do, them, man. do something a little bit different, do something a little bit better, have a new idea. My I'm daughters like, are in their thirties. We're still dating, man. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Have you got anything you want to uh, add for the guys? Or I also ask everybody that comes on to issue a challenge, something that they can do from week to week in between podcasts, something that they can. Uh, used to grow as a father, as a husband, as a child of God, any of that type of thing, but some type that will help them grow. My biggest challenge would be, I guess, just is like to start, start, start with something really, really easy. And I would say, start, pick one night a week and have a very special family dinner night. Or, or maybe it's a brunch, you know, or it's, it's Sunday after church or it's Sunday morning or whatever it would be. Start having one meal a week that's just really special. Tell your kids, hey, we, you know, we we're busy, all that stuff. And or if even if they're really, really little, like set the set the pattern now. Start having a family dinner night where it's not about discipline. It's it's about fun. It's about being on the same team. Do high low, you know, best part of your day or week, worst part of your week, and then Buffalo, which is like what was the craziest thing you ever saw, you know? <laughs> and uh 
my wife's version of that, by the way, one time she says, um, we were, we were actually at a funeral and, and there was a little girl sitting next to her and she was like looking at my wife's fingernails and they had a little sparkly something nail polish on them. And the little girl, she was about three. She just grabbed my wife's thumb and looked at it and then gave it a big old lick. <laughs> she thought it was candy. Anyway, that was kind of crazy. That was her Buffalo for the day. Anyway. Um, so start having one meal a week. That's really, really special. And you're not disciplining. You're not angry there. It's just fun. And I can even give you training on it. I swear if you, there's just, if you, if you Google everyday disciple podcast, family dinner night, my wife and I come on and give you tons of stuff. I've even got downloads, Tina's tips for a great family dinner night. I'm not joking. So it's all there. I would say, start with that. You're going to be so shocked at what starts to shift in your relationships with family. When you got that beachhead of one special meal a week, it's like, well, we eat every night. Great. Which one's going to be your special, almost like a little family Seder. You know, like, just like, oh, it's fun. And we take turns, like each kid gets to pick the meal. So next week you get to buddy. Well, I don't like this, but next week you get to pick and we all help cook and we all help clean up and we do high, low Buffalo. Maybe we, maybe we sing a song. If you like that, you like sing a worship to maybe you don't, you know, we do the story of God at our table too. Like what's a narrative of God's story. You can get that on my website. You can download the whole story of God in the resources section. And it's just little stories chronologically with some dialogue questions that are kind of age appropriate and you can get all that stuff, man. I have so many free things. Go get it. (laughs) But that would be my challenge. Start having a family dinner night. That's a little bit of a picture of what you'd love more and more of your week and family life to be like. I love that challenge. That is a great one. Pretty simple. You're eating dinner anyway, right? It's not like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm guessing you're eating every day. (laughs) For that listener that just came to me and said, seems like this family dinner is important. Like that was a this week conversation. Mm. (laughs) And here you are coming on the podcast and, you know, we do a lot of teaching on that all the time. Everybody we coach, we get into family dinner nights. What do they look like? Because that's our picture. Then eventually of the rings move outward to start including more and more people. So then how do you do discipleship like that? Like we're doing it anyway. If no one shows, I don't, you know, we're doing it, but people show up and then they get graced and then they have questions and then we open the word and it's a, it's all part of the lifestyle of it start, but it starts at that table. If we're not living it as a family, why would anybody else want to start with us? Right. Absolutely. Hey, we don't really get along that much. We barely eat together. There's not a lot of grace, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to just canvas the neighborhood, invite everybody (laughs) over to an alpha course so they can live just as miserably. (laughs) What? Right. (laughs) Crazy. No, don't do that. You don't need to do that. (laughs) So funny. So funny. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on and and men who are listening. God bless you as well. And you uh, are the leaders of your family. So step into that, Amen. bring the kingdom of God and that spirit of joy to your family, to your friends, to your community. And when you do that, things are going to get so much better, not only for you and your family, but for the community around you. So live into it, live into God's truth and have that God confidence and believe in God. He does miraculous things and he can, and he does and just believe that it'll happen for you as long as you pray and ask and uh, live the way he asks you to live. So bless you guys. Catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself. 
be accountable to God and Jesus. Hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.